Alternative Play. Welcome to Alternative Play, a podcast that explores both the worlds of kink and nerd culture. No matter what your flavor of fun is, we talk about it all. The podcast where nerd and geek culture meets leather and latex. So tighten your restraints, break out your comics, roll a d20 and get ready for some fun. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of Alternative Play. I'm your host, JC. For those of you who are new to the show, Alternative Play is a podcast where we introduce you to those who dwell in the nerd and kink communities. We cover the gambit on alternative lifestyles and those who create content within all media. Alternative Play will cover topics that are quite adult in nature, so listener discretion is advised. Also, for those of you who have been following Alternative Play, we have a Patreon, which will include the show notes. This will help us keep our show going and help back a number of kink-related products like our live RPG stream on PlexStorm. We also have merch, and I'll also place that link to our uh, Teespring store in the show notes as well. If you like our logo or any of our other logos, you can wear them as masks, hats, sunglasses, you know, <laughs> whatever you want. It's, it's all there. So tonight, Alternative Play is honored uh, to welcome adult content creator and video game nerd Candy, who also goes by the moniker of HU269, which definitely we'll, we'll kind of ask her what the, what that, what's behind that. Uh, Candy is an alt porn creator focusing on her Hugh Cow transformation, BDSM, and hypnosis, which is also something else I'd love to hear about, all of which are significant parts of her daily life and lifestyle. And when not pumping or staring at spirals, she can be found playing Pokemon on various platforms. Grand Theft Auto V, which I had to spell out. There's a story behind that, but anyway, or Kingdom Hearts. Uh, welcome to the show, Candy. Hi! Before we jump into all the cool things that you do, um, tell us a little bit about you. I am an over 30 creator, and I don't know... <laughs> It's all good. Well, uh, and we can definitely jump into the questions because that will yeah, sometimes help that. get things going. So how long have you been in the lifestyle? So you said you're, you're an over 30 creator. Um, how long have you been uh, kinky or in the scene? Uh, since I was 18. So for 14 years now. Oh, wow. So no breaks, just straight through. You kind of got into that as a 18 year old and just kind of ran with it. Yep. Kind of dived in feet first and never really got out i guess that's the way to, i guess that's the way most people do it um were, were there clubs uh was it just kind of friends was it something that online newspapers you know what uh what kind of drew you to it uh, i found stuff online that i was really interested in and that led me over to Fet life and finding like-minded people, um, which then led eventually to Tumblr. And then I started an adult blog on there, posting pictures. And then that's what led into content creation and finding other kinks and whatnot. In a modern age, I think it's just a lot easier. So I'm kind of 
I'm kind of an old fogey, not really, but kind of older, definitely. <laughs> and, you know, it's like before the internet. So when we had to kind of know things or go to a club and then hear things from other people who know about other clubs. And then, so it's, it's definitely a different world. And now it's just like, I go online and now I have fit life. And, you know, there's, um, all... Hey, back in my day, my porn was dot matrix based. Damn straight. That's, that's how we did it. We, <laughs> hey, we no. did it with puppets because <laughs> there were no people to do it with. Um, it's, it's called Whippler. I've never heard of that one. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of interesting. I signed up for it. It's it's not like a match. Well, it's kind of part matchmaking and they have like four, like you can create your own groups in it and everything. It's not the greatest, but yeah, things like that that exist today are awesome. Uh, you know, and it, it allows you to definitely kind of spread your wings a lot quicker than having to go through the those old fashioned things of, you know, like, you know, what we did back in the old days, riding dinosaurs and know sears catalog yeah exactly oh my god i, I i'm not gonna this is about you this is I'm just to... <laughs> no tell tell so you know if you if you think back to the 80s so that's kind of where i grew up that was my teenage years and then in the 80s and magazines that was really how you kind of found things is that mm-hmm. and there were just like and I'm sure there's still the same amount of porn mags today than there were in the 80s. But there were just, you know, you would go to a store and you'd find things like Puritan. I still remember one that is burned in my memory and it was called Smothered in Tits. <laughs> Hot. Yeah, it was just, yeah, it was, a, it was a magazine. And I think I had a copy of it at one point because my friend John was like, saw how fascinated and how I wouldn't shut up about this one magazine. <laughs> and I think he got it for me for Christmas or something or found a copy. But, you know, back then... a real friend but, right there. Oh, it's a true a, friendship. Yeah, God, we've been now friends for like close to 30 years, come to think of it. So it's kind of dating myself here. But no, but it's, it's really great that you can find the stuff and almost experience it um and but i'll i'll kind of get into that whole spiel later and because i think that's one of the most awesome things about game culture too is that gaming sometimes sometimes allows you to experiment in things that you may not want to be open about experimenting with until you know you actually do it like i play a mod version of skyrim that you know is definitely up there in the multiple x category but um (laughs) We will, we'll, you know, talk about that later, maybe. All right. <laughs> so let's get into the, the meat of this, because this is kind of the things I really wanted to ask you about. So what made you realize that you wanted to be a, like a cow, you cow? What, what kind of brought you towards that? Well, I've always been very well endowed in the chest region. They kind of were just, they they popped up overnight and all of a sudden I had gigantic titties. And so like a lot of my partners and people I would play with, they were very breast obsessed, which then led me to become very breast obsessed. Uh, And then kind of from there, I think that's where my fetish into my own breasts came from. Uh, then I, I like I happened to find the Hugh Cow fetish, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Sorry about swearing. Uh, no, like just swear away. And... We're we're an adult show. We can definitely <laughs> swearing's allowed. 
<laughs> me and my potty mouth. Um, I like I've never wanted kids. It's never my thing. But I've always been into like interested in lactation mm-hmm. and like that feeling and and craving that feeling. And so then like you know the the obsession with my own breasts plus lactation mushed together and turned me into an adorable hue cow. So my next question is, um, uh, you know, talking about the transformation. So from beginning to end, like, what was it to prepare yourself? I mean, did you just kind of roll out of bed the next day and just like, moo? Or was it like just kind of gathering information, um, kind of going through a process of doing things? I'm... There definitely was a process, especially like being plus size. Um, there is like a part of you that has a real aversion to being called a cow and so then to call myself that like that was my own hurdle I had to get over um and kind of realize no I'm allowed to be adorable and cute and cow does not mean fat so that was something but then also like pumping and lactation and all that that's a really big commitment so for things like that and for for that transformation process like you really have to think about how it's going to affect your daily life and you know how can you fit it into your schedule and is something you really want so there had to be a process of thinking about it and going okay like do I want to just play and you know pop on some cow ears and a bell and call it a day and oh I'm adorable that's cute or do I want to have this be a lifestyle and my my brain and my heart led towards lifestyle. I really wanted this. And finally, I was able to kind of sit down and realize that I can make the commitment. And that's when that really started was when I realized, oh, hey, I want this so badly that I'm willing to make this commitment and just do it. So lactation is a big part of this for you. Um, all in all, in the in the fetish or the kink, is lactation a mandatory thing or do we have few cows who don't lactate and it's more just kind of a pre- presentation thing? Yeah, not mandatory at all. There are some few cows that don't make milk and they just have delightfully milky udders that don't make milk. And that is absolutely wonderful and totally fine. Um, yeah, you, it, it's not a requirement. Okay. And so what would what would a daily routine be like for you? So obviously there's pumping involved. There's uh, there's various uh, herbs and or hormones and things like that, uh, that from what I understand, uh, need to be taken. I know uh, fenugreek is one I keep hearing uh, related to it. But for yourself, like what what would your daily routine be to during the during the inducing of it and then ultimately after you started producing uh maintenance um well i'm not producing yet i'm okay. i'm hopefully close oh god i'm hopefully close um <laughs> but right now basically i i wake up and i immediately pump i sit on my pump for 20 minutes i have a spectra it's a really nice little quiet pump that i really love and then I do, I eat lactation cookies because I tried the tea. There's like a mother's milk tea and it just tastes like like licorice that's been rolled in grass. Mm-hmm. And it's not my favorite taste. Um, and I didn't want to take more pills and supplements. And so I, 
I buy like the bags of cookie mix. And so I make my own lactation cookies. I have a couple of those a day. And right now I'm pumping twice a day for 20 minutes. I'm going to be adding in a third. Um, just I recently moved and all of the stress of the election and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of took a step back and just went to twice a day. So there are good signs like the fact that my my udders are constantly just feeling huge, um, which I'm told that is a very good sign. But right now I pump right when I wake up and right before I go to bed. Now, is this all things that you had like read about, studied? Do you ha- did you um, like know any midwives or anything like that who might have also had uh, suggestions? Um, a lot of research, a lot of studying into like wet nursing and stuff, and just how to induce. Lots of research. Unfortunately, it's not completely scientific. It. <laughs> It is something that is pretty pretty feminine, and so science doesn't really want to spend a whole lot of time on it. So a lot of the lactation information out there and inducing is all like, well, fenugreek helps. Well, you can pump three times a day or five times a day. It, it's, it's a lot of like, well, this worked for me, but it didn't work for me. So gathering all that information, finding what works with my schedule, what works with the commitment I'm willing to make, and a lot of hope and a prayer. But ultimately, I mean, it can be pulled off. I'm, I'm assuming. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And and I have talked to people who have achieved it. And like, it's it's completely doable. Um, it is just a lot of effort. Oh, I can imagine. And you know what it would be like after you start producing? Is it still kind of having to pump and do maintenance to yeah. keep that going? Um, once I start producing actually is when things kind of ramp up. It's the, the body works on supply and demand. And like right now I'm trying to tell my body that there is demand. There's demand for milk. And so my body's kind of learning that going, oh, hey, wait a second. We need to be making this. And so once it starts being made, I have to tell my body, okay, now you need to keep doing this. Because if I stop pumping, I stop producing. Gotcha. All right. And does does the equipment get any more difficult or is it still kind of the same pumps? It's the same pumps. It just means cleaning them more often because then I'll, you know, actually have liquid going through them. <laughs> All right. So I know you mentioned the, the spectra pumps. So just kind of leaning a little bit into some of the uh, videos that I've seen you. I, I recently purchased one of your videos on my vids. Uh, which um, was, oh, believe me, it was <laughs> yay for me too. Um, but so in in the in the video, they were using, it looks like industrial strain. I mean, those pumps were like, were they real cow pumps or like uh-huh. milking machine? Wow. Um, so Dart, uh, he and I were in contact with each other and we realized we wanted to do like, I mean, I'm into Hugh Cow, and he's like, well, I've never done that before, so, I mean, it's it's hot, let's do it. Um, he found an industrial cow milker, and he found a goat milker, which, they're both pretty similar. The goat milker just isn't as strong. How, what was that experience like? Is it, I'm sure the suction on that is pretty intense. They are nothing like human pumps. Um, a human pump is meant to, you know, mimic a 
an infant suckling. It's very gentle. It there there's a tug. It exists. Um, the cow milker. There's a lot more pressure. Um, you have a lot more control over the pressure, and so um, my scene partner Dart was having fun just turning up the pressure and just seeing how hard he could tug on the cups because they would not remove from my tits, and that was awesome. Um, and yeah, and even like comparison between the goat milker and the cow milker, they are completely different as well. Like they are three completely different sensations and it's awesome. That's because you can hear it too. When you um, like, even mm-hmm. in the video, you, it almost sounds like when you take off the, the brush on your vacuum cleaner and then kind of put it really close to your couch to clean that weird, like sucking vacuum. I mean, that's what it sounded like as it was being put over flesh, so. And uh, we actually, we had, like, the industrial pump was in the next room behind a curtain, so that way we could, like, dampen the noise because it was so loud. And if you listen, when he first turns on the milker and, like, attaches it and everything, like, it'll it'll suck for a few minutes, and then you hear this, like, (laughs) ding! Where the milker, like, there, there's one pucker and it'll pull in. <laughs> and that's so you can tell, like, the pressure is getting just right is when you hear that wow. noise. That's, that's, so the, what the, um, the area that you had that set up, was that, um, was that a set that you created or did you kind of go find a, a farm somewhere and, and get that all? Uh, that was, that was his house. Oh, wow. Um, I flew to California, you know, before the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And he has um, he's building his own studio, so he's been getting supplies and he has key clamp, which are those metal bars mm-hmm. that you can they're kind of like adult connects um, or just, you know, life size connects and you can build the frames. And I, of course, being a cow, needed a milking frame, had to have one. Um, so that was the first frame we built was the was the milking frame. Fingers crossed, if if this pandemic ever ends, I will be down there shooting more. Yeah, the set was really, you know, was the set was really impressive. I mean, everything about that video shoot was definitely impressive. But it that set was really cool. And just the fact that there's kind of BDSM connects, that that's kind of neat. That's something I want to definitely look into at, at some point, because... Yeah, building structures and things is, sounds like it would just be incredibly fun, especially like for play parties and and other sort of things. So, and they're awesome and like they're really really solid. I mean, one of one of the best feelings that I got to experience that that shoot was like you you kind of get in position in the frame, and then Dart would go around and tighten all of the screws to make sure everything's solid. And the frame flexes just a little bit and you feel it just get solid around you. And you're just like, I'm not going anywhere. This is holding me completely. And it's so awesome. That's pretty impressive. If there's any, and I'm asking this actually this question for a couple of reasons. One, who, uh, my, one of my partners who is very interested in it. And two, just for anyone who's listening who might be interested, what advice would you give those who would be who are interested in in inducing lactation and getting started? Any advice? Really, really think about it. Um, understand that it is like 
it's a lifestyle commitment of you're looking at there's going to be pain, there's going to be discomfort, you are probably going to go up a breast size. Like, I'm not even producing milk yet, and my udders are bigger than they've ever been. And, like, I can feel that fact. And I already can't buy bras in a conventional store, so, like, that was another part I had to factor in was I'm going up in sizes I need to be able to you know deal with that so really think about it make sure that you have the ability to make that commitment um, and then just start doing it and fall in love with it because it feels amazing to pump and be able to fulfill the fantasy and the dream awesome well thank you for that so you mentioned hypnosis, and I'm just curious, where does hypnosis, does it fit into yeah. the Hucow? Is it something like, um, I don't know, more of a meditational thing? Um, I, I fell into it through reading erotica, and through that I found one of my partners who I, I have weekly hypnosis dates. Um, we tailor it to the hue cow stuff um because it is me but with hypnosis like it can be tailored to whatever your kinks are um it definitely adds into the hue cow fetishization and that mindset for me we have a few like hue cow triggers that we've put in and they're awesome does it use it for mostly like Uh, relaxation to enhance pleasure to okay all right, interesting. I've, I've not, I've, you know, I've, I know a lot of people use it for losing weight or stopping smoking or typically hear hypnosis used for, but I've never heard of it used in the sense of pleasure. So that's kind of interesting. Erotic hypnosis is really awesome. Um, my partner and I, like, he connects a lot of things to pleasure. And so it's like, if you do this thing, so, you know, if I move, I feel pleasure and so that it just it feeds into itself and I to be perfectly blatantly honest I am a needy little horny slut so tying things to pleasure is really effective for me so yeah like he just for that example um tying moo to pleasure he did that and I took to it really really quickly <laughs> because both I love mooing because cow and also I get pleasure. <laughs> and so it's just like that little, you you tie things to, okay, you know, when you feel this, you will feel pleasure. And that's, wow. Okay. Well, it's a lot of I've, fun. I've kind of learned something tonight. I really didn't know that hypnosis kind of went in that direction, but well, thank you for sharing. That's, that's kind of interesting. Now I'm probably just going to uh, look that up at some point. We are, we are planning on doing, we're, we're trying to figure out, cameras and stuff um but we want to i want to release a video of going through a hypnosis scene with him because i have a lot of really strong uncontrollable orgasms and it's really hot uh and so i want to make that into a video and release it so probably give a a better illustration too of of it being done and and everything so yeah definitely let me know if, if that gets uh 
that gets going. So actually, it perfectly leads into the next question of how did you get started in doing videos? Was it just kind of one of those things where you're kind of like, wow, I really want to show my craft or this sounds like fun or. I, I started with the pictures on Tumblr and uh, was really enjoying that. And that's how I kind of tapped into my exhibitionist side. And like, there's part of me that would love to make videos and release them for free because I love doing that. But also they take a lot of effort and being a disabled person, they take a bit more effort than just like your kind of everyday mm -hmm. average neurotypical person. Um, so understanding that and valuing myself, it was the, okay, I can make videos, but I have to sell them because like, so much time and effort goes into even just making something simple. So that's kind of what pushed the videos. And then I just really started enjoying really making them. And then I met Dart and had my first professional scene. And it was so fucking great. And I can't wait to do more. And I wish more professional people shot with plus size people. But that's my own rant for another day. Whew. I mentioned uh, mentioned the beginning of the, the, the podcast talking about um, an adult creator uh, Sophia McScandal, who has actually been a guest on this show in the past and uh, posed for our uh, logo for one of the one of the projects I do. But she's very uh, she's very plus size and very empowered. And actually, a lot of a lot of people that follow her and a lot of people that she re um, she basically retweets are all, again, uh, plus size adult creators. So you should definitely like look her up because um I, I'm someone who finds um, large plus size um, SS uh, BBW uh, so on incredibly attractive. So that's the sort of stuff that I usually purchase or buy or look for when I'm out there. I think there's a there's a lot to it, and to me, it's uh, that's the that's the female form that I enjoy. I mean, skinny chicks, eh, kind of you know over that <laughs> been over that for a long time. I did get an offer. I'm really excited. Once the pandemic comes down, oh, wow. uh, okay. Pass wants to shoot with me. So I'm really excited about that. I mean, of course, it won't yeah. be as kinky as I usually shoot, but no, that's I don't wow, care. Congratulations. Really that's awesome. And Dart and I have a lot more in the pipeline and I just need to like get to California. Uh, but we're going to do a lot more Hugh Cow stuff. And I'm just really excited about that. All right. In uh, when, uh, when I was looking over uh, the questionnaire that I sent you earlier, you mentioned something called synesthesia. Am I am I saying that right? Synesthesia. Synesthesia. All right. I was way completely off. <laughs> hey, you were close. You got the first letter right. <laughs> S. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, uh, I'm not going to say it again because I'm going to screw it up again. But uh, so, synesthesia. Synesthesia. Yes. All right. So what is synesthesia? Um, it is basically when your senses connect. Um, one really basic one is like, you know how purple drink tastes purple? It's not grape, but it's it tastes like purple. I guess in the sense that, um, like, 
Kool-Aid, right? Because Kool-Aid is as much as you want. They want to say, oh, this is a blueberry flavor and it's blue. It's not. It's it's blue. I mean, so I, yeah. I kind of get it. Sure. And so, yeah, it's like we you, you taste it and it, it you, you recognize the color. That's kind of what it is. I can see sounds. Um, it shows up more in music than in like conversation and everyday stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like I, I just I basically I can see sounds. Sounds have colors to me. Right. And so, so this is a like a, a natural phenomenon, because when I was looking, at it, I thought maybe it was a tool or something or, you know, some sort of. I don't know, alternate reality headset or something, but <laughs> no, it's just, it's my brain being funny. And so I like to use that. Um, I, I make art, I paint and do all sorts of other stuff. And so I like to listen to music and I will paint what the song looks like to me. Wow. So what kind of music do you like that? That's a question to lead into that. So what do you, um, when you're doing your art, what sort of music best triggers uh, the sensation? Anything with a lot of orchestrals, like I love all music, but like country, R&B, a lot of pop, those, they focus way too much on the beat and like, that's not very fun to paint. Mm. It's not fun. Just like, okay, I'm just going to tap gray on this <laughs> canvas for 20 minutes while like doing some yellow with my other hand, big fucking deal where things that have strong orchestral or um ska is so much fun to paint ska is so great k-pop is so much fun because there are so many different genres in just like a single song so the painting ends up really diverse i hate smooth jazz with a with a passion so i will never paint smooth jazz i'm sorry kenny g but you ain't for me (laughs) but yeah so so anything that just lots of music music gotcha all right no that's that's kind of neat though just that the whole audio to visual translation and be able to do art. So that's, that's kind of neat. Uh, do do you post your art online or is it more private stuff that you do? I, I want to start posting online. I have like, I have a little blog that I I've been posting my art up, but I don't like post it anywhere. And so once I have some more on there, I'll probably tweet it out. I just, I'm very like, when you are an artist, and especially like if you're a painter or somebody who draws, uh-huh. and you tell someone that, the first thing they ask is, oh, do you paint like people or animals or still life? And it's like, no, <laughs> I'm not that talented. <laughs> and so I always have this feeling of like, well, I'm not painting anything really, really good. I'm just like painting what I see. So who's going to care about that? So I need to kind of get over my own. Uh, self-esteem hurdle to finally start posting that so i went to back in the day when i went to college um fine arts and i took illustration and stuff like that and no people who usually open up with oh do you draw people i just usually kind of roll my eyes and get all art snobby on them you know unless you're just kind of you know unless you i do art and you're like oh what what's our art you do are you like impressionist are you you know, fine art or whatever, then that's more someone that I won't roll my eyes at and have a conversation with. But yeah, you know, as soon as they they bring up the, you know, hey, things I learned, I don't know, in like eighth grade art, usually just kind of like, all right, well, 
sure i can tell you or i won't either way <laughs> also i mean drawing hands is just really fucking hard okay <laughs> I don't want to draw people because people have hands and hands suck. Yeah, I mean, there's um, there's a comic book artist <laughs> that I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but I think he's was with Image Comics or something. But he's well known for not being able to draw feet. <laughs> and I get it. Yeah, it, it's he just he can't, and I think it's more of a perspective thing. Like every time he tried to draw feet, they were either like they they just didn't look real <laughs> so um but no and every artist has definitely something they they can't do and that that's okay but i think you know again this is this is not the art snob hour here but i will say that <laughs> uh definitely art is art is perceived right it, it, it's not about oh i can draw a cat with an apple in his mouth or something it's like well if you can that's really awesome but that's one of many things that art can be so well you send me a song and i'll paint it for you oh that would be awesome and i'll say i just want to put on there and i know our kenny g listeners will you know is, <laughs> <laughs> is yeah i wouldn't kenny g does nothing for me either but no some like no, zamfir though <laughs> zamfir with his yes. magical pan flute <laughs> so, i don't know if it's magical it just would be cool if it was magical all right everything is magical if you want it to be that is very true and speaking of magical let's let's kind of get into our last couple of discussions here talking nerdy <laughs> yay so <laughs> you play video games so let's talk a little bit I about do. the video games that you really enjoy to play i just started the new spider-man miles morales game jealous all and... right <laughs> Oh god! That game looks I'm fantastic. only like a few minutes in, and I'm already in love. Like, I mean, the first Spider-Man game was just so fucking good. The one for PS4, the Miles... right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm on the Miles Morales for PS4, and it's just, it's you know, not like same quality. It's better, but it's like that was a standard. That Spider-Man game set a standard, and they knew they couldn't go less. And it's so good. So I'm doing that, but I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, even though I'm only a few minutes in, so I'm not going to talk about that too much, but I am enjoying it. So I um, heard one thing about that game, and I just want to ask you, because I've only seen people online bitch about it, and, you know, like like I believe people online, is um, <laughs> that I guess there's an angle when he swings downward that that make people feel sick because it's like you have this sensation of like kind of a free fall when he does it and it's like an angle the, yeah there is a thing when you when you jump down it's it was in the the other spider-man game as well okay. of when you jump and you're doing the dive and you like press the um the l3 button and you're going and just goes super fast and yeah it I, I thankfully have no affection to it. Like it doesn't or it doesn't affect me at all, mm -hmm. but I can definitely see how it would affect people. My girlfriend cannot watch those moments. She has a great fear of heights and it's too much for her. Mm. Um, so I can see how that would just really fucking suck for people and God, that that's terrible. All right. So Spider Man, I, I think you mentioned Animal Crossing in your Yes. <laughs> I'm busy. Um, I'm making Jurassic Park on my island because 
I can't just be a single nerd. I have to make things extra nerdy. Um, so I, I'm currently recreating Jurassic Park and all of the outfits. I I love. I I've, I've never played Animal Crossing game. I played some Pocket Camp, which was like the phone game, but I wasn't really into that. Then this came out, and it's so much fun. I love it. It's so calming. Yeah, it's kind of the game that every time I hear someone say that they um, they're interested in Animal Crossing, and then you never see them again, ever. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it must be fun. I was trying to explain this to my mom. I was over at her house uh, like two months ago, and she was complaining about you know, oh, it's been a whole day, and I've only gotten this many things done. And I looked up her. I was like, yeah, well, I've moved a house, torn down a cliff, built a new <laughs> pond, went fishing, talked to <laughs> ten different people, and I haven't had to stand up because it's. It's perfect, especially for right now in the pandemic, when you're constantly feeling you can't achieve anything. Mm. Where, yeah, in a, in a single day, you can achieve things, and they have small achievements, but it feels really good to have that right now. Um, and I know that a lot of other people have that same feeling of, we can't do anything, but you know, I can make this part of my island look really good. That's neat. Especially, I, I think you bring up a good point, too, about, um, you know, with with COVID and the pandemic and everything going on, is that um, a lot of us feel trapped or like we're not doing anything because, you know, a lot, you know, especially certain states that are really restricted, you know, where it gets really where you're like, uh, what am I going to do? So having that sort of uh, where you can create, where you can do things, where you can interact on that sort of level. I'm sure it just kind of helps a lot with, um, you know, with feeling like you're just kind of stuck in a house or something. I, I'm personally, I'm immunocompromised. So mm. I have barely left the house since March, whenever it was that this started. Um, I can count on one hand the people I have interacted with on a serious basis and like right now, that's down to one person I see on a regular basis, um, in in person. So yeah, having like I can hang out with my friends. I I was able to have friends over for my birthday and stuff, and yeah, it's been really, really pleasant. And I'm not gonna say Nintendo planned this pandemic, but it's pretty damn <laughs> sus. <laughs> just saying yeah and well and nintendo kind of then leads us into the the other game that you are fond of which is pokemon which i believe yes. is uh, is nintendo so uh how many different platforms can pokemon be? i know it like game well i hope i'm not dating myself here to go i remember on game boy which i don't even know if it exists anymore but Hey, if you're going to date someone, you might as well date yourself, because at least you know your standards are low enough to love you. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but, um... Whew, sorry about that. Um, Yes, uh, I I currently play it on the Switch and on my phone, and then you know there's Game Boy and the Nintendo DS was... That's when I really first started playing it, was the DS. I think it was Sun and Moon is when I started. And then on the Switch, I've, I have Let's Go Pikachu, 
I have the one that looks like they're made out of blocks, and I have Pokemon Sword. Okay, now I take it these are all different games because I swear. Now again, <laughs> this is someone who my my experience with Pokemon is when my uh, my son was younger. I used to watch Pokemon with him and and everything. So, and I've seen the game a couple of times on people like yeah, they're DSs or or whatnot but it always looks like the same game like is it is it the same game and they just give it a different name or are they actually different types of games they're coming out with more different types now which is really nice um i mean there is pokemon go which is actually owned by niantic not nintendo but yeah whatever i've played actually Um, pokemon go but. Yeah, and I I gotta say, I mean, again, talking about COVID, Pokemon Go has really come up clutch on like adjusting their play style to pandemic life. Like they've they've increased um, the distance to get to stops and for trading, and they included distance raid passes, stuff like this. That it just they've made playing during the pandemic easier, which considering it's an app that's made to get out and like rewards you for walking around. Yeah. They, they really put some effort in that. So just on that note, Pokemon go, you have done awesome on that. Um, but like for some of the adventure games, they do kind of follow the same thing of like, you are a person, you get a Pokemon and then you have to go battle in different cities. And that's the base storyline, but all of like the little stuff changes in between. Um, so like in Pokemon Sword and Shield, you get a bike that you can ride on top of the water and you get to go to different places and meet different Pokemon. They're always in different regions. So you're meeting different Pokemon. You're battling different people. It's like, yeah, well, the base game is the same. It's kind of like saying all of the Grand Theft Autos are the same because they all have Grand Theft Auto. You know, they are all different in their own respect, and they're yeah. all fun. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto is so, um, and that's one of the games you had, had mentioned, too, that, uh, so Grand Theft Auto Five that you're into. So I've, I've only played it, I think, five times. All right, so the first two times I played it, all I really did was be horrible at driving the car and crashing it into things and then just found a pleasure into running over people and you know doing all the stuff that most people probably play grand grand theft auto 5 but then there's the three times after that that got really bizarre so (laughs) the third time i ended up basically being beat up like i you know like just beat like someone else in the game beating me up and taking my car and it's just it was just kind of this really depressing, like, wow, this this isn't fun. And then the last two times was me just being a dick. So there, there was a hospital scene, and I guess someone, you know, they're role-playing out someone being injured or dying or something like that. And I kind of accidentally wandered into that scene. I just was, like, walking around and just doing things, and they were getting annoyed with me, and they're getting annoyed with me kind of gave me some weird perverse pleasure. So I was just even being more annoying. And then they'd ask me to leave and I'd leave and I'd come back. And so that was kind of it. And then I just stopped playing and that my account got hacked actually after that. And I had to like deal with, um, I forgot the company that, um, oh, why can't I think of them? But anyway, it was, Rockstar? Oh, 
Yeah, had to go back. And I guess apparently their operations are in Russia because I (laughs) remember having to go back and forth with them in multiple languages to uh, to get it fixed. And I finally did. And I'm like, yay. And I didn't play it. But, uh, you know, that's just me anyway. I get all, you know, really passionate about I want to get my account back because I'm going to play. And then I get it back. I log in for like 10 minutes, crash my car. And then I'm like, all right, I'm going to go play something else. Truth be told, like, I did the storyline far enough to get so I could do GTA Online. And then I don't actually play online with anyone. I occasionally, my sister and I will play and, like, we'll just go race each other or we'll drive around the city and be giant dorks and change the radio and just be, just be total dorks with each other. Um, I just, like, yeah, I just like playing with myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I, I just I like the races and I just like I don't know, I think like I I was never the kid. My parents never let me really go do arcade games. And so like I always wanted to play the driving games when I was a kid. The ones with the steering wheel and the pedals and everything. That oh, they were so cool, and I could never play them. And so now I just basically use GTA as that. So I don't go <laughs> online. I I just do solo sessions, and I just go and I run the races over and over again. That no, and, that's, that, that's that, all that's, I do, that's... and it brings me so much joy. And like, if there were other people out there that just wanted to friendly style run the races, like. We're just being dorks and laughing. We don't care who wins or loses. Like, yeah, that would be fun for me. But I don't know. I'm not into... Whenever I've been on GTA Online, somebody's always a giant jerk. And yeah, that. No, and that's one of the reasons I didn't like it either. However, then I became the giant jerk. And (laughs) I I, I don't know. Maybe I just felt like it was owed to me. It's like, damn it, I'm going to be the jerk this time. But So do you stream any of your games? Uh, I actually have just started. Neat. I am going to be streaming more now that I kind of got my setup all finalized. I can stream my PS4 and I can stream my Switch. I'm saving up for a better computer so my Switch streaming does not... um, It's really choppy right now. Mm. And I feel really bad for people who come into my stream because it's like... It's not, like, me running around is not smooth and delightful to watch. It's just really fucking annoying. So, I'm looking to upgrade my computer so I can stream better on that. But right now, I am doing the Spider-Man Miles Morales streaming and Animal Crossing. Now, are you doing this on Twitch or YouTube? Facebook? Okay. I mentioned um, earlier in the show when I was talking about one of the streams that I do, uh, Plexstorm. Are you familiar with Plexstorm at all? Nope. Okay, imagine Pornhub mixed with uh, Twitch. Hat. And that's that's what Plexstorm is. So, and it's it's funny because when I first heard about the platform, because I was looking for somewhere to do my adult stream, and um, I went over there and looked, and it's like, wow, there's people playing, you know, some random game while they're masturbating or <laughs> getting blowjobs or, and it's it's interesting I'll, I'll give it that i mean i don't i don't particularly use it for that it's just more that my stream i use it for my streams that have like super adult content but so um i could like stream topless yes and and get money for it because you set up a tip system 
and uh, oh yeah no you can stream completely naked play with yourself like whatever you want to do because like the, the tip system is like like that's added bonus for me i just hate having to put on a shirt so i can twitch stream <laughs> it's like my lisa i'm like oh god okay i'm gonna twitch stream i'm gonna play some games i'm gonna interact i'm gonna it's gonna be awesome but now I have to put on clothes. Oh yeah, no Plexstorm, you do not <laughs> need to put on clothes. Clothes are optional. So, look for me on there apparently. <laughs> so, my original vision of what I wanted to do, and then later on I found out a friend of mine um managed to pull together what I wanted to do. So, James Despero, I love you, but man, I'm jealous. Um <laughs> So he ended up doing something called, um, oh my God, why can't I think of it now? Uh, Table Topless is the name of his show. Yay. And he managed, so he runs, he runs his own D&D game, which is kind of like pseudo erotic futuristic sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, but he's managed to get a hold of adult content creators who basically go on and play the game while naked and doing various things to themselves. And my initial vision of, of doing this on Plexstorm completely was that. And it just <laughs> did not work out that way. And granted, I have a really solid team of people who I stream with. We've all become really close. But it's more or less just kind of like erotic talk while role-playing. Although... I'm sure that some of them, some of us would probably take off our shirt. Although, you know, you don't, I mean, for me, I'm the bearded fat guy. Like if you have a fetish for bearded, bat, uh, bearded fat guys, then rock on. But other I mean, than that, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I, I'm wearing a shirt. Um, so but wait, so wait, if I do have that fetish, you won't wear the shirt? Well, if I get tipped, you know, hey, I don't work for free. <laughs> I I get it. So, and it's an interesting thing what they do is because they're all independent adult performers, but I guess they, at the end, they get their tips and they split them out and they work, you know, in that, in that method. But I, I mentioned Plex Storm to you because I think that maybe it's something you might be interested in where, yeah, you can go and play, you know, Pokemon topless or, you know, whatever game your heart desires, you can just take off the clothes and feel free to do whatever and you know make bold of you to assume that i'm wearing clothes in the first place ah there you go i i live that's i don't know if it's part of the hue cow or being lazy or just the (laughs) exhibitionist in me but i wear as little clothes as possible 100 percent of the time rock on well clothes are kind of clumsy and they get dirty and then you have to wash them when there's no clothes yeah you don't have to wash right? clothes like we're in the little pandemic i put on a shirt for work you know and then i can take it off later and <laughs> that's all i go. have to do i i just i i don't want to have to do all that laundry that i'm not leaving the house well definitely if um you know uh just hit me up after the podcast and i can give you the information for plex storm it's Yay. uh it's it's okay. It's not like the greatest thing. Uh, they obviously there's so one thing that I don't like about Plex Storm is like you know when you go to Twitch and you do a stream, Twitch will retain that stream for you to watch later, and they hold it for a good amount of time. 
Mm-hmm. And Plexstorm doesn't have that feature. So once you stream, you're, you're kind of done. There's nothing you can go back to, which I guess is good for some who just don't want to, you know, don't want to have that evidence lying around or it's just so, you know, so yeah. either you watch it when you stream or not. But there's a couple of streamers I follow. Obviously, Tabletopless is one of them. There's uh, I can't Dabarella, I think her name is. So I'm giving a shout out to Dabarella. <laughs> Um, the, the space queen who who goes on there and has amazing tits and I don't even care what game she plays because she's topless <laughs> and you know that's uh, and it's weird too I'm such a nerd where you know most people are just like hey why don't you do this why don't you do that I'm just like how are you <laughs> I mean but that's honestly like it's kind of the people that sex workers are gonna remember uh you know, I'm like that nerdy guy who's just like, hey, how are you? How's your day going? You know, everyone else is just kind of like, oh, baby, yeah, just, you know, do that. And here's some more tips. And just like, I see that you're on again. That's awesome. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not the most sexiest of talkers, I guess. <laughs> I'm more kind of like, I kind of care about you as a person. And I want to know, you know, how you're doing. So How absolute dare. I know. I should just be sending dick pics, like, constantly. Unsolicited dick dicks. Yeah, yeah, there we go. We are are coming on time. So, is, uh, so, Candy, is there any, anything you want to tell our listeners, like, where they can find you, um, you know, Uh, what's... You can find uh, me on Twitter as Little Jet Girl, which you can also find me on many vids under that same name. You can also just go to hu-269.com, um, and that's where you can get a direct link to my many vids, and it's all good. Uh, but for updates and stuff, I mainly use Twitter. That's where you're going to find the most up-to-date information about me, if that is what you want to do. God, I don't know why you would. I'm I'm a fan, so I'm just gonna go. Yes, check out Candy's stuff. Uh, definitely buy the videos. Uh, just check her out on Twitter. Uh, uh, you can awesome also get work. me on OnlyFans if I post a lot of tit pics on OnlyFans. Uh, OnlyFans. Uh, we're closing up the episode, I know, <laughs> but you just hit like on another thing. So OnlyFans to me is this. I don't know. So many vids make sense to me because I'm like, all right. Well, I really enjoy this one adult content creator, so I'm going to go support them or tip them by going to many vids and, and buying their stuff. Mm-hmm. But like OnlyFans kind of almost sounds stalkery. It's kind of like I'm going to pay you money all the you know constantly in order to. I don't know. It's just there's um there's someone on Twitter I follow who her name is Ash or Ash Delicious or I I can't think of her name, but she's she's gorgeous. And um, she just she just started doing in uh, OnlyFans, and she had some video that was like, "Oh my god, I, I'm almost tempted to break my rule about OnlyFans." And she's like, "Yeah, you should." And I'm like, eh, "No, <laughs> I can't." One thing that is really nice with like OnlyFans compared to video sales and stuff like that is like I have you know X amount of fans that I've had for the last however many months. And so I know I have a dedicated paycheck of that many dollars every month. And that's a, for, especially for like a sex worker, we don't get that feeling very often of, I know I'm getting this much money a month. I don't have to hustle for videos. I don't have to, 
you know, post 20 links in a day if I'm having a bad sales day. So like on that point, OnlyFans is really nice for like, okay, like, I mean, I put my price point fairly low. I put it at $7 a month because I don't post every day. I don't post a million content. I post mm. really, really hot tit pics a few times a week. So I, I try to post like what my price point is kind of thing. And I feel it is very much like a, you're going to pay for what you get out of it, but it is really nice to have just like that dedicated. Okay. I know, I know this much money will be in my bank account at the end of the month. And that's a really great feeling. No. And I, I think it's great that there's other ways um, creators can get out there and, and do things. I was just, I was just more talking about me. I don't know. It's just for, in my brain, it's just kind of like, I don't know. It just seems like if it was, maybe it's just the way it's presented. I don't know. Like I, I, I support tons of people on Patreon all the time. So, and I guess I just have to kind of look at it as a sex or, you know, sex worker slash adult creator Patreon. It really, it really is that that's what it is. It's, it's sexy Patreon of, you know, you are supporting me creating content and you're supporting me being able to put this out. Like, you know, you know, you're going to get so much every month from Patreon, which is nice. And, you know, you can put that back into your business and you can, you know, put that back into the content you create where this kind of same thing of you, you're just supporting the sex worker, you know, on like a Patreon. And that, and that's why a lot of people put their price points for low is because it is more like, if you view it like the Patreon of you're getting these rewards every month and those rewards being my titties. and yeah, you can go buy videos and, and do all that as well. But yeah, it's just basically patreon for dicks yeah but i think yeah now just kind of thinking of it as an adult <clears throat> a patreon it it makes a lot more sense in in my weird warped head so it's like a penis treon <laughs> penis treon it sounds like <laughs> some sort of pokemon penis treon i choose you oh god my penis treon is evolving into an erection <laughs> All right. Wow. There we go. Nintendo. <laughs> and on That's... that note, we're going to get sued. If you have feedback on this episode, questions you'd like to ask us or suggestions, send them on over to host at alternativeplay.com or check us out on the web at www.alternative-play.com. Anyway, and again, thank you for joining us for this episode of Alternative Play. Remember, Dragons are not the only things that play in dungeons, so keep your gaming kinky, safe, and consistent. Thank you for listening to Alternative Play. We hope you enjoyed your time in our playroom. Alternative Play is an attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international creative commons work. You may share it with whomever you like, so long as you don't sell or modify it. Like what we are doing? Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash alternative underscore play or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. 